Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast in your home of the world champion, Houston Astros. Robert, along with the pumpkin pie goodness of Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there watching and listening. And in today's show, we'll give thanks to our favorite things about Houston sports right now. But first, Sean, Kyle Allen, he is the new dish on our holiday menu. What do you think about the benching of Davis Mills? I guess it's something that had to happen. That's why it did. Um, In terms of like making a huge difference uh, about wins or losses, um, I mean, come on, they're one eight and one. Uh, it's not going to turn their season around. And Nick Casario doesn't want it to. Let's be clear about that. It's a tank. This is working beautifully. Okay. What has happened is players are not tanking. The organization is tanking. And look, players want to play and they want the best possible guys out there to help them be the best that they can possibly be. And so if there's unrest out there, um, there's going to be noise emanating from the building, from the locker room, from the meeting rooms. And quite honestly, when you're putting up historically bad first half performances, um, you know, now twice in two years from a historic perspective, um, like Davis Mills in this offense has, change needs to be made. Um, when you're not taking care of the football, which is something that Nick Casario, when asked about what he needs from a quarterback, what he wants from a quarterback, says one thing and one thing only uh, without getting too far into other specifics, you have to take care of the football. And seven interceptions over the course of the last five games for Davis Mills, who now leads the NFL with 11 interceptions, is not taking care of the football. Um, And for a team that needs every single possible possession it could use um, for the development of their young players like Kenyon Green, like Nico Collins, Um, And to make the big dogs happy like Brandon Cooks and uh, Chris Moore and, you know, whoever else you want to throw into that uh, mix in terms of veterans on the offense, you got to do it. Um, So I I think it's something that needed to happen from that perspective. Um, And today I felt like it was handled very, very, I'm not going to say poorly, but just Odd, like the Texans have a really weird way of doing things and making things a hell of a lot bigger than they really are. And so I guess for that matter, they failed at it again. (laughs) This is so Texans of them. Uh, The Jets had the same situation. It didn't come out as much in a, you know, tweet or something like that from a random reporter that the Texans were changing quarterbacks. Right, Sean? It wasn't the same way over with the Jets that it was handled with the Texans, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, you started the show saying, hey, Kyle Allen's the the new quarterback. To be quite honest with you, when I left uh, NRG this morning, or rather this afternoon after I got done with the locker room, which no player on the offense was there and available for us, by design, clearly, um, with the exception of an offensive line, and they were very well coached up on what to say and rather what not to say. Sean, you got to keep everything secret if you're the Texans because, you know, they, they the other team might be able to figure out which way they're going to beat us this week. I, right, it's yeah. so funny. Like, we're keeping it all secret because we're this great organization and you're all scared of us and you don't know what we're going to do next. And, oh, my goodness, we got our coaches, Bill Belichick, and we got Brady over here as our quarterback. And uh, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Well, 
it's it's very patriot way of them, right? But what I, what I was trying to say is, I guess Mike Garofalo tweeted something out. Was just saying, is that where you're getting this from? Okay. Yes. So okay, fine. You know, Mike Garofalo said what he said. Um, look, these these reporters, these NFL insiders, um, they're all on really to very good relationship basis with uh, player agents, coaching agents, things like that. They know things. And they're going to leak things. Um, some players will leak things, but I will tell you that when the players do that, um, at least in this climate with the Houston Texans, that stuff's not getting reported right away, if at all. Um, that's just kind of on a need-to-know kind of basis, and you're going to keep that um, to yourself sort of thing. Um, and that's just the way that it's kind of been just, just to be forthright and honest with you. But still the idea when he was asked at the press conference, both Sunday and Monday, he can't say that he's going to make a change at quarterback. And here's the issue, Sean is, well, we're worried. We don't want to warn the other team or what, what is one guy, Michael Vick, and the other guy is Peyton Manning. One guy's a statue. What's the difference in the preparation between Kyle Allen and Davis Mills for any team in the NFL? Nothing. And and don't get lost in that. You know, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, don't get lost in that. And so many people are, Robert, and I don't want you to either. Um, you, you know, look, you have to kind of um, connect the dots, so to speak. And fortunately, you know, the Texans, their connect the dots game is kind of one out of a uh, old highlighter highlight book. You remember when you were a little kid in the doctor's office and they had that little magazine highlights and you could do the mazes and connect the dots and color and stuff. Very elementary. So it's pretty easy. Now, all you have to do to do connect the dots with this one is go back to Monday's press conference. You know, I think it was myself that asked Lovey uh, Smith the question that uh, gave this response. And I'd said something to the effect, do you still believe after having reviewed the film this weekend that Davis Mills gives you the best chance to win? Because I think it was Aaron Wilson or Brooks Cabina last week asked him a similar question of where does he get the confidence um, that he has in Davis Mills to trust him to make X, Y, Z throws or whatever. And he reiterated his, uh, you know, unvying, you know, uh, confidence in, in, in Mills at that point in time. So Lovey said, have I reviewed the film? Yeah. Are there decisions that I've made? Yeah. Um, are there going to be, and he didn't even use the word changes. It was some other word. Are there, are there going to be things that are different? Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to talk to the team first before anything is done. Well, interestingly enough, after being asked the same question about five different ways today, and I asked two of them uh, and got a similar response as, you know, you and everybody else by now has heard the audio and seen the press conference. He didn't say anything. So it's not about the secrecy. That's their excuse to not give us any information, to not put their quarterbacks in a position to answer difficult questions, to not put their players in a position to be asked difficult questions. It's, it has nothing to do with competitive advantage. They know that, and they know that we know that. It's just about trying to put out as much of the fires they possibly can, and that's it. That's it. That's all they're trying to do. They want to make this as easy of an road 
for the players to him as possible. And, and there's nothing more to that. Friday, there will be a quarterback at the podium, and it's probably going to be Kyle Allen. And he'll be asked, you know, all the questions necessary. And we'll kind of go from there. Hopefully, for him and the Houston Texans, his first throw isn't to a cornerback on an out that goes for a pick six. Because if that happens, holy smokes, what are we going to be looking at at that point in time? Okay, stop. Stop right there. Because that's exactly what I was going to bring up about 10 minutes ago before we started the show. Is who cares if you don't start Davis Mills? And the reason I say who cares is these NFL coaches act like if you bench a guy, oh my God, his confidence, the team is going to panic. That's quarterback is, you know, there's linemen rushing at him, 350 pound linemen, and this guy is going to lose confidence because you benched him for a game or you benched him for a quarter or you benched him for two quarters. We act like this is a big deal. Sean, you can put the guy back in the game. He can play again. You know, some, sometimes it helps a quarterback to sit on the bench for a game or two. This is not news. This is not new about football or about life. Sometimes you get benched in life and they can put you back in. You could be onto something there um, from, from what I heard. And it's not been corroborated today or anything like that. It was just something I heard in passing. And I think you should take a couple of things into account. Um, one, what I'd said previously in regard to Lovey Smith's response to my question. Um, does he still have confidence in Davis Mills to go in games? Uh, I asked him that on Monday and a couple of different times in a couple of different ways today. But on Monday, his response was, well, I'm not going to tell you anything until I tell the team, until I talk to players first. That's just how we do things. What I heard today was the players did not know who the quarterback was going to be rather, sorry, my light just went off rather. Um, they just put a quarterback under center and said, go. That's potluck. It's like, it's perfect for Thanksgiving week. This is the potluck quarterback week. And based off of what you just said, the point that you made in regards to like, Hey, who cares? And you know, what about confidence? You telling me like this, these guys in the NFL are going to be short on confidence because they've gotten benched every single player on this team on every 53-man roster at one point in time in their career has probably been humbled and has probably had to go through some sort of adversity and has probably been benched at one point in time of their career. That's what kind of fed the fire, so to speak. So I agree with you there. However, you can't tell me that Davis Mills has any kind of swag and you can't tell me that you've seen any kind of piss and vinegar come from this guy at any point in time you know, <laughs> over the course of the last couple of years. He just doesn't. The, what you hear from him is he he's even killed, never gets too high, never gets too low, and we never see him fired up or anything. And it doesn't have to be based off of anything good that happens on the field, but it's, I understand that's few and far between. But what about like, hey, man, we freaking suck. Like, let's go. Like, let's go. You know, get his guys. You don't see that. That's not in him. And so maybe the Texans feel like a certain type of way how they have to handle him versus how they need to handle the media to prevent I – I don't think my light's going to work – to prevent these guys from answering difficult questions. So I think it is, like we've seen already on the field stuff, they're continuing to treat him with kid gloves because they feel like they need to. You said at the beginning the Texans organization is tanking and not the players. I will say that 
the organization isn't tanking. They're just bad. They don't have the players. You were given a organization with the previous leadership, and that leadership gave you nothing. They gave you no draft picks that are any good. They gave you no players that are any good. They gave you no draft picks the first year that you had them, and they also gave you no salary cap. So, yeah, I just don't see it as the organization's taking. I just see it as we suck, and there's nothing much you can do about it. And you're right, but that that is – and look, I don't know anything that, that you don't. I just feel like I have a, a pretty good pulse on the construction of the roster, and this is just firmly what I believe, and I'm pretty close to you know saying that I'll die on this hill, is that this is the first year of the rebuild. Last year was the last year of the teardown. You're still seeing um, – you know the diggers load up the dump trucks, so to speak. They're getting a lot of the rubble out of the way this year still, okay? So when you construct this roster, if you're Nick Casario, look, you were cap-strapped. You didn't have money to spend. You had a little bit, and you had just enough to be able to go out and get some aging veterans that you could squeeze the last little bit of life out of that are good guys, good professionals, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison types, and bring them in and help develop some of these younger guys. And on that, you're trying to maximize, you know, the time that you do have in practice. A lot of these coaches, I do believe they think they are a better part of the solution rather than the problem. Because at this point, for those young guys, it is about development, which was kind of funny that, you know, we saw that tweet this weekend during the Texans game from Jaleel Johnson, who was here for a hot minute and then cut because allegedly, according to him, you know, he was uh, making it too difficult on Scott Questenberry and uh, Kenyon Green in practice. He was going too hard and the Texans coaches didn't like that. Well, there is some truth to that, um, that they felt like. You know, they were trying to get one thing accomplished offensively, and this guy was trying to show out defensively and earn some more playing time. Well, they weren't jiving, and so the Texans coaches, I guess maybe there was some sort of an altercation or disagreement there, and they said, all right, well, look, if you're not going to be a part of the solution, you are a part of the problem, so get out. This is not what we need right now. Well, I think for a team that was actually trying to win, it's exactly what you need. You need that kind of piss and vinegar on the practice field, in the locker room. They don't have that right now. They're not in that situation right now. They built this roster to do exactly what is happening right before your very eyes. And I do believe that Nick Casario gave Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills that snowball's chance in hell to make it work. It clearly didn't. And because it didn't, no harm, no foul. If it would have worked... No harm, no foul. You got your offensive coordinator that has been reinvigorated after, you know, calling plays in some slap, you know, what other league that hadn't called plays in the NFL for five years and even then wasn't very good at it. But, hey, it's working now. And Davis Mills, we got ourselves a gym in the third round a couple of years ago. Tremendous. Now we can really get creative in the draft going forward. Well, that hadn't happened either. So, Status quo, the plan is you've got great draft capital. You're going to go get yourself a quarterback. You're probably going to go get yourself an entirely new staff and, you know, really start the excitement um, of, of, of young players and young talented players um, from a fan's perspective and media perspective and start spinning this thing back in the other direction going forward. Yeah. I, again, I just don't think Casario or 
a miracle worker could do anything to fix this roster over the last couple of years to get them any more wins than they're getting right now. And maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, you could have thrown away draft choices at some, you know, journeyman quarterback that would have helped you maybe get two or three more wins, which would have been stupid. Other than that, I don't know what else you do with this, with this group. And we're going to talk more Texans uh, definitely in our live Texans Dolphins post game show. As soon as that game ends, we're going to actually have a new quarterback to critique for this one. So we've got some new meat on the bone, thankfully. And if you miss it, look for our live shows anytime under the live tab on our YouTube page. If you're listening on a podcast app, I put the live shows up as quickly as I can after the post-game show. Sean, we, we got to talk about something nice. It's Thanksgiving. It's the holidays. I'd like to go over what we're thankful about in Houston sports. But I'm going to try like hard to avoid the Astros because it seems too easy. It's just too easy. Yeah. Uh, but can, you, can, can you do that? Can you mostly avoid the Astros on this one? I, you shouldn't avoid the Astros completely. Um, but the essence of the question is to do just that, because what else <laughs> do we have to be thankful for besides the Astros? Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, um, it's the next best show in town in the offseason when the Astros aren't at Minute Maid Park. I mean, you got to be thankful for um, I'll just. I'll explain, but U of H, you got to be thankful for U of H. That that was first on my list, actually. And I'm going to be more specific than just the program, the full-on program. I'm thankful we're just months away from the Big 12. It's been 26 years since the Cougs were in a nationally relevant conference. You've got to be 35 or 40 years old. you got to be old like me to remember the great Southwest Conference days. And as somebody old enough to remember, I can tell you, it was fun, guys. It was fun to have a relevant program in this city. I'm thankful for the Cougars having a real shot at a football national championship in the not-too-distant future if they put together a great season because you can do that in the Big 12. And for the first time in forever, it's at least a pipe dream. Yeah, and look, that's a great point. I wouldn't even going football. Um, I wouldn't looking at that direction. I was talking about basketball and Kelvin Sampson and the job that Rena Couture and Tillman Fertitta and just everybody over there uh, in the U of H umbrella have done to uh, induce and build uh, perennial excitement in that basketball program. And yes, you are absolutely 110% correct about the football program and getting into a bigger and better uh, conference. That's, uh, you know, to be very general, we can... I'd love to do a show just about that and talk all the specifics about how and why we should be excited about that and what has led to that, um, to this even happening, getting into the Big 12. But I'll just say this, you know, to my basketball point, I don't know if you're a gambler, Robert, but I know a lot of people out there do dabble in it from time to time. I checked out Bovada uh, the other day because that's where I go when I want to look at the odds and see what's really going on because a lot of people use it. And, uh, I just could not believe it. The favorite to win the NCAA tournament, the whole shooting shebang this year, is none other than who? The University of Houston Cougars at plus 800. They're the favorite over the powerhouses that be in college basketball for the last 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years some Great, fantastic storied programs, and it's your Cougars at the very top. That's amazing. That's what I'm thankful for. Absolutely. Can't say it better myself. I'm thankful for Usman Garuba 
and Tari Eason. When they enter a game for the Houston Rockets, and there's not much to get excited about, but these guys get me excited. They play winning basketball. Sean, let me say this again. They play winning basketball. Just a joy to watch, unselfish, both mid to late first round steals already, in my humble opinion. Please give them more playing time, Stephen Silas, so I can enjoy more helpings on my Thanksgiving plate, please. <laughs> you know, um, I, I have to agree with you, Blake. You know, it's been it's been pretty difficult for me to get back invested in the Houston Rockets, but slowly but surely I am. And it is because of those young players. Um, you know, we talked about it before the season even started, like the collection of young talent that they have on this roster is vast. And this year is about seeing it's where the Texans kind of almost are, but it's where they're going to be next year with an infused roster of a lot of young, unproven NFL talent. That's where the Rockets are right now. It's unproven NBA talent, very raw skill set, and they're, they're, they're tremendous by themselves. But can they play team basketball? Can they play together and win basketball games? I think it's those guys that you mentioned particularly that have really kept the Rockets in a lot of these games because, look, let's be honest, from a team-wide standpoint, they're not very good. Okay, I don't even know if they're very, very well coached still, but I know from a developmental standpoint, I think that staff in large is doing the things necessary to find out who's going to be contributing for the future of this organization. And so, yes, I will uh, tip my cap to you there and say, yes, I'm thankful for those guys in particular, too. I'm avoiding the Astros, but I'm going to twist it a little bit because I'm thankful for Minute Maid Park. It's one of the most underrated baseball parks in the country. If you're laying out your Thanksgiving meal, it's an incredible, beautiful table setting for you. Unlike another stadium in Houston, it doesn't have a poorly designed hole in the roof. It looks picture picturesque with the roof open. It's aging gracefully like Sean is. There's not a bad seat in the place, and it's given us a mountain of memories in just 20 years. Maybe, Sean. It's actually a good luck charm. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I mean, before Minute Maid Park even existed, um, you know, history lied on those grounds, man, uh, for just Union Station. I mean, you think about the history that came through there over the years when it was an active railroad station. So, yes, um, I will agree with that. It, that holds a special place uh, in my heart uh, because December uh, 1942, Christmas Eve, in fact, my grandfather who was born and raised in the city of Houston, was sitting on a bench at Union Station waiting for a train to take him to boot camp in the United States Army. And that's where he went. Um, and he'd spent the next uh, couple of years in the service there. And um, he broke his back as a paratrooper on his fifth and final practice jump. Six months later, after being told by the doctors he'd never play baseball again, he was in the World Series. And he was the opening day catcher for the St. Louis Browns in 1944. So that uh, particularly has a very special uh, place in my heart in terms of, you know, why it's historically important. And, yeah, if it's a good luck charm, then I think um, uh, I just told you another reason why it, it probably is because of my family's history there. If you go to the YouTube page, check out there's a story from Mike Acosta about Babe Ruth actually walking through 
the doors at Minute Maid, but it wasn't Minute Maid at that time. Just go look for that. Look for Babe Ruth in our YouTube library. Sean, I'm thankful that as frustrated as I am with the Texans, that I no longer have to root for Bill O'Brien or Jack Easterby. Period. End of sentence. No explanation needed. Hey, Bill O'Brien was like, you know, last year's news, right? I mean, we're just uh, uh, not even two months removed from uh, saying adios to good old Jack. That's what I'm thankful for is that I don't know how um, or why finally the the Houston Texans and the powers that be at NRG arrived at that decision um, to get rid of him. But I mean, what what a tremendous weight lifted off of that organization's shoulders um, you know, the black cloud, like the heavens had opened up quite literally because he was a black cloud hanging over it. And there was no way they could effectively move on because optics is important to the McNairs. Don't be fooled. Um, you know, Cal cares um, what this team uh, looks like and is how it's talked about and its perception from the outside. Because, you know, we talked about it when they were going through all this mess, how hard uh, Bob McNair worked to bring instant credibility to an organization as an NFL owner. And it stayed just like that for 20 years before his passing. And so um, if for nothing else to try and rebuild um, his father's legacy, which, you know, I can't even say that because it was his father's legacy. You cannot tarnish another man's legacy when they're not here. But, you know, the, the legacy of the organization that he helped create, that was tarnished. To try and rebuild that, that does fall on Cal's shoulders, and it is quite personal to him. So, yes, uh, whoever arrived at that decision to get rid of Jack, I mean, it's, it is an absolute, um, you know, blessing. And thank goodness we can actually look forward and talk a lot more football these days than the off-the-field mess. If you're out there and listening to the show on the audio app or if you are watching us, tell us what you're thankful of in Houston sports. And I've got one last one. This is a little Astros adjacent, but not, you know, just everything Astros. Just trust me, we are all thankful of everything Astros. But I'm thankful that Houston sports, Sean, has icons that still love their franchises and that we get to see on a regular basis at games, Akeem, Bagwell, Biggio. How can you not love it when you see these legends still engaged in your franchise? It's huge. And I'm I'm glad you actually started with the Rockets because I thought you were going to go with the Astros, you know, Bagwell, Biggio, Ryan, Nolan Ryan here for years. Now you got Reggie Jackson, obviously not an Astro, but a, a, a game great uh, that wants to affiliate himself and wants to help uh, continue to build and keep a perennial uh, championship contender here going. And but I like I like the connection to the past that our organizations and that the guys that were here still care. And I feel like nobody's done it really better than that of the Houston Rockets over the years, right? I mean, for years we've been watching Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. Um, on the sidelines. And Drexler called the games for many years. Matt Bullard called the games for many years. Um, I mean, there, there's countless. Elvin Hayes, um, certainly. The Rockets have, have done a great job of keeping those relationships. And, you know, to be quite frank, you know, the Houston Texans have done just that. The, the issue there is there haven't been franchise greats um, 
you know, that have actually retired and have come back. A lot of the franchise greats are still playing in Arizona. <laughs> you know, so when they retire and come back, uh, anybody besides the name of Andre Johnson, it'd be nice to have Arian Foster back in the building more. It'd be nice to have, you know, the greatest fullback in Texans history, Vontae Leach, come around. <laughs> a little bit more, you know, uh, guys like that. But uh, it is cool. Uh, you know, and I, I honestly think, you know, the Astros could probably do a little bit better of a job getting some older players more involved at some stadium functions, fan functions going forward, because it would be nice to see guys like Roy Oswalt more than once every couple of years or Richard Hidalgo or. Well, they've been doing the Astros Hall of Fame stuff. And then they had the anniversary a few years ago of the I think it was the 50th anniversary of the Astros franchises franchise. So they brought a lot of guys yeah, back and, and Bob Aspermani is still very much whenever they have anything over there, he's involved in an original Astro and just a, you know, he's a iconic guy. If you know the history of the whole, uh, you know, and, and the problem really now is just Nolan, Nolan is the guy that you want. And then they severed, you know, Jim Crane severed ties and that had to do with his son. You know, he wanted his son and Reed Ryan left and that left Nolan kind of, a little bit better that they got rid of Reed after he did a fantastic job when this team, this franchise was at its absolute nadir, you know, Reed Ryan came in and did that. So, you know, th those are the guys and, and they do it. I, you know, the Astros baseball, it, it, it's, it's a, more about history. It's like you said, I think the Rockets thing's more impressive because, you know, the NBA, you don't think about it as some of this, this history connection, but uh, baseball, you, you always do. And so it's, it's not as much a surprise in baseball when you see it as, as it is in, in basketball. Yeah, and I think to keep his the historical elements of your your franchise um in order, for the lack of a better term, it's a little bit easier with a baseball club, certainly a basketball club than that of a, a football club. There's so many moving parts, you know, each and every year, especially in today's NFL, um, where it, it it's hard to kind of keep that in perspective. Um, it's just different than it was in baseball. Baseball, you know, it's called America's pastime for a reason. And the game has changed drastically. But, I mean, everybody, the, the, the starting nine, they were all household names years and years ago. And that changed at some point before I became, like, you know, a young man, a young adult. And and now, you know, as a 40-year-old man, it's, it's completely different. But basketball, um, you know, there's less players to keep up with. And I can't believe I didn't mention Calvin Murphy, by the way, who, I mean, thank God, I'm thankful for him. You know, what I have noticed in regards to him, he needs to start, uh, you know, going through the suits again. I'm starting to see him recycle some of those <laughs> suits. Like, come on, Calvin. Like, let's get you a deal at one of these suit warehouses, man, and get you some fresh threads. I'll tell you what, of course, I'm thankful of Damian. He's the one thing. Damian Pierce is the one thing that you're really thankful with the Texans that we get him. Oh, there's more than one. Give me, give me one other one. Oh, what do you mean? This entire rookie class, I think. You know, Kenyon Green, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley. I mean, I, I think you got to be thankful for all those guys. I feel like I, I'm forgetting one. There should be. I'm, 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 I'm worried. I told you after last week. I'm a little worried about Kenyon Green. I'm a little worried about Jalen Petrie. I'm just a little worried about those I guys. Get it? But relative to, if you're going to compare it, like. To Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce is a little bit different. He needs other things to really work well for him to succeed. You know, offensive line, offensive scheme, things like that, right? Like not allowing a defense to load up eight on five in the box. Um, you're going to lose more of those battles than not. 
10 carries, eight yards, case in point, this past week against the Commanders, which are good. You know, they're good. And so it was going to be tough, uh, tough mowing anyway. But, you know, Petrie, Stingley, and literally Kenyon Green, all three of those guys have been on an island, so to speak, and they're going to make rookie mistakes. But I think there should be great excitement for this 2022 draft class next year. I mean, they need a year of seasoning, and I think they've got pretty good uh, tutelage with the players they're literally playing next to and around to help them do that. So I, I'm excited. I, I think Christian Harris is the other one, and I can't believe I forgot it because I still stand by this. I'm not ready to die on the hill yet, but I think you know, in the next year or two, we could really be talking about Christian Harris um, as maybe being one of the biggest uh, draft choices to come out of the 2022 draft uh, for the Houston Texans. I am thankful that John Mechie seems to be doing better, and hopefully we're going to see him yeah. in the uniform and maybe he can contribute something. Um, we're running out of time, Sean. I, I've got to send out a quick uh, shout-out to – Restarted. <laughs> I got to send out a quick shout-out. So my co-host on Locked On Texans, I, I, I hosted Locked On Texans for a couple of years on the Locked On Network, and my co-host was Brian Patterson, and we are still really close friends. And I got a text from him today that he got engaged. And I want to congratulate Brian and also just mention the fact that he knows this. I, I, I sort of introduced him to his fiance. So, uh, but congratulations to Brian and Jamie on the engagement and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys really soon. And uh, last words for you, Sean, about uh, the anything last words about the Texans or Thanksgiving or anything? I got two things. One, you blew it. Okay. You introduced like a great woman to a good friend of yours. Like you should have kept it for yourself. <laughs> That's <the> one. <laughs> and two, if we're going to get, uh, and not to say that you got sappy there, but, um, if we're, if we're going to stray a little bit away from sports, I'll, I will say this. I'm thankful for a couple of guys and just I'll say sports radio 610 in general, but, uh, particularly, uh, Parker Hillis, our, uh, brand manager and a program director and Brandon Scott, our web manager for allowing me to kind of do my thing and do what I do uh, and cover the Texans and be able to write every day and um, do these podcasts and just talk sports and be involved in the city and the sportscape there. So um, they, I, I pulled the wool over everybody's eyes some way, somehow for 16 years. And so um thankful to be able to do it for one more year, at least. Fantastic. Also, Hey, Thankful for some good NFL games on Thanksgiving. They're not always great, but it looks like there's some good matchups. Hopefully, get. I don't know if everybody's going to be listening to this before the game, so we're going to find out. You guys might know afterwards how how it's looking. But uh, <laughs> thank, thankful also for everybody out there that's continued to watch and listen to us. And don't forget, um, I do not think we can have anything before the live Texans post game show, but you got to tune back in on Sunday because hey, it should be fun. We're gonna have a new quarterback <laughs> and maybe, maybe the offense could look a little bit better. I'm not promising anything, but just maybe, maybe Sean, it maybe it, it can't look worse. It just, <laughs> yeah, no, it can't look worse. And that's the other thing about the Texans and Rockets. And we got to be thankful. It, it, it's got to get better because they're the worst. They're the worst teams in their league. It's, it's just got to, it's got to get better in the next couple of years. Hey, I'll, I'll say this real quick. If it does some way, somehow look worse, I guarantee you I will be the first one to ask the question Monday morning, once again, will you consider a change at play caller? Because that's the only thing then that it could be. Yeah, and I mean, when I say it could 
couldn't get worse. I'm talking about we have the two worst franchises in their sport right now. So it's got to get better for the Rockets and Texans because it can't get worse. You can't get below last place. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. And we'll talk to you again on Sunday. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.